the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, good morning, everyone. Hope you're having a fabulous Saturday. Uh, if you're tuning in, of course, this is Let Us Reason. I'm your host, Al Fadi, and with me here in studio, my dear uh, friend and brother in Christ, uh, Sam Shimon, uh, whom I have been blessed really to know for many years, and also I'm uh, extremely blessed to have him even join me in doing these different shows with us. And uh, me and Sam are in talks uh, about continuing to do this on a regular basis. So pray for us to find a good platform. Of course, if you've listened to my last week uh, episode about the challenges that we face, myself and Sam and David Wood and others, in terms of how we get blocked by Facebook sometimes, or even our videos get yanked by YouTube or even Facebook. I got a couple of times in studio, some of my fa- some of my Facebook live streams get yanked by Facebook without any explanation, actually, not even a single notification. Uh, so we just wanted you to know that the challenges are real. That it is not a rumor when you hear that they do things like this to certain individuals or ministries like ours. And at the same time, uh, we want to encourage you to just join us in prayer. I mean, one thing that disheartened me really is to see how Muslims unite together for causes like this to, to go after us. But yet our brothers and sisters in Christ sometimes do not unite even behind us just to pray with us, not to mention our need for your help your support, and so on and so forth. So with that said, Sam, uh, today we are going to talk, brother, I think you told me about the incarnation of Christ, and if there is anything else you want to address in relationship to the Kaaba and the Blackstone, certainly I'll give you that freedom, brother. Welcome back. Yes, uh, thank you for having me, and just I want to praise the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, asking Him to anoint us by the power of His Holy Spirit, to glorify Jesus Christ, to magnify Jesus Christ, speaking the truth without error, May anoint us, the sound of our voices, to be used to convict Muslims to turn to Christ and strengthen Christians for the glory of Jesus. In Jesus' name, may the Father have his way with us. Yes, as in previous segments, we were talking about the Kaaba and the Black Stone, and how pretty much Muslims are idolaters for facing the Kaaba when they pray, for actually touching the corners of the Kaaba and kissing the Black Stone. Now, I had anticipated an objection. Muslims will say, well, did the Jews face the temple in Jerusalem when they prayed? Are they idolaters as well? And if you remember, in one of the previous segments, I explained that there's a profound difference between the biblical understanding of the temple as the house where God dwells and the Kaaba. No Muslim believes that Allah dwells in the Kaaba in any sense. Now, you and I, as Christians... We believe that God, by nature, by nature, is invisible, 
he's immaterial, incorporeal, and that because he created time, space, and place, by nature, he's spaceless, <clears throat> timeless. But once he created time, space, and place, he can enter time. He can also assume a visible form, and actually, in the person of Christ, become a flesh and blood human being, <clears throat> and dwell within space and place. So I just want to make clear that we don't believe that God, by nature, is a corporeal being, an embodied being that's bound to time, space, and place, but because God created time, space, and place, he's able then to enter time, interact with time, and manifest his presence locally. Now, why do I say that? Because the difference between the temple and Jerusalem, when it was standing, is that according to the Scriptures, God in some unique way, some mysterious way, would be dwelling there. He would manifest his presence localize his presence in a unique manner in the temple, even though he would not be bound to it, because he's still transcendent, he's still above and beyond creation, and omnipresent. And that's another term we need to define, brother, because many Christians, when they hear God is omnipresent, unfortunately do not understand and define what the term means. By omnipresent, I'm not saying that God is corporally, materially, in every place, in creation, so that creation is a part of God, God is a part of creation. So if I sit on a couch, I'm sitting on God, or that my body is God. By omnipresence means that the entire creation is a present reality before God, as He oversees it and providentially guides creation, preserves creation, sustains creation. So by omnipresence, we mean the entire creation is present before God as He sustains it and guides it, nourishes it. I just want to be clear how we define the term omnipresent. Now, with that said, I'm just going to look at a couple of references in the Scriptures that talk about God manifesting in His presence in the Temple in Jerusalem. Prior to that, in the Tent of Meeting, the tabernacle that Moses had erected. So you would be so far, brother? So I, make sure I am, we're I am with you, brother. Yes, sir. I okay. am with you. Exodus 40, 34-38. This talks about when Moses and the Israelites had finished constructing what's known as the Tent of Meeting, a tent in which God would meet with Moses and speak to him face to face. I'm going to read Exodus 40, 34 to 38. Now watch this. Then the cloud covered the Tent of Meeting. This is going to be very important when we come to discuss the physical body of Jesus Christ. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting. So here's a cloud. The Israelites saw a pillar of cloud by day, which became a pillar of fire by night to give them light. And they knew that cloud, that fire, was God's presence being manifested visibly. They knew that God was in that cloud, in that fire, as a sign that he was with them to deliver them. The cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So the cloud was a sign of God's glory, His visible presence, filling the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled upon it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord, the cloud of Jehovah, was over the tabernacle by day, and fire was in the cloud by night 
in the sight of all the house of Israel during all their travels. So here, God is uniquely manifesting his presence in the tent in order to show the Israelites that he was with them in a real, unique manner. The Amen. same thing happens with the temple in Jerusalem. If you read First Kings 8, when Solomon finished constructing the temple in Jerusalem, again it says, again, let me read the relevant portion. This is First Kings 8, the entire chapter, but 1721. I'm not going to read all of it. It says, when the priests withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord. So again, clouds filling the temple of the Lord. And the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled his temple. Then Solomon said, the Lord has said that he would dwell in a dark cloud. I have indeed built a magnificent temple for you, a place for you to dwell forever. My father David had it in his heart to build a temple for the name of the Lord. So now it was in your heart to build a temple for my name. So here we have, for the sake of time, I won't read all of it. You can read the entire chapter, 1 Kings 8, verses 1 to 13 and 17 to 21. 1 Kings 8, verses 1 to 13 and 17 to 21. But read the entire chapter. Here we have God appearing in visible form, in a cloud, <clears throat> filling the temple as a sign that he would manifest his presence in a unique manner, localized fashion, even though he still remains above and beyond creation, he's not bound to it, so that the Israelites would know that when they looked to the temple, God was living there. When they looked to the temple, God was living there. And the Lord himself confirms this in Matthew 23, 21, when he says, He who swears by the temple swears by it, and he who dwells in it. He who dwells in it. So, why did the Jews face the temple, because they knew God's presence was localized there in a unique manner. So they and were not also, simply facing God. I was going to say okay. something. You, men you mentioned that before, Sam. I mean, we want people to know also, there is no command here by God himself for people to face something. Yeah, yes, yes. And so, but even if they want to bring it up, because that's what their pattern was, you'll find that even in Daniel, that Daniel, at least three times a day, which faced Jerusalem while in Babylon, and pray. The reason why is because they knew Jerusalem was God's dwelling place. God Amen. lived there Amen. in a unique manner. Now, again, I want to be clear. When we say God lived there, we're not saying he's bound there. God is still above and beyond creation, and he oversees the entire creation. The entire creation is present before him as he sustains it and gives it life. But unlike the Kaaba, no Muslim will say, Allah dwells in the Kaaba in any sense. That's the correct, and also we don't have anything in the Quran, as you know, Sam, that tells us that the, his presence symbolically is there. Yeah, nothing. So when the Muslims face the Kaaba, they're giving idolatry. When the Jews were facing the temple, they weren't. It wasn't the temple they were looking to. They were looking to God, who is now present in a real sense in the temple. So when the Muslims bring up the temple, they're either ignorant of what the Bible teaches, or they're being desperate at this point, because the two are not the same. That now is let's correct. Way into the Lord Jesus Christ. A Amen. And, and if I may add one more thing, Sam, uh, there is another important distinction here. Our God is an eminent God, a relational God. So, yes, even though he's in heaven, people, when they were praying towards the temple, they realized he's there with them as well versus the God of Islam. Yep. So now don't forget the connection with the clouds filling the temple, filling the tabernacle, because now we segue into the New Testament. A lot of people are not aware of this, but the teaching of the New Testament is that 
God has taken residence in a new temple. And it's not a temple made by human hands, and it's not the temple in Jerusalem. If people are not aware of the original languages of Scripture and do not have access to good commentaries by godly men, even women, they may not see the connection between the temple in Jerusalem, the tabernacle during the time of Moses, and Jesus' physical body. In John chapter 1, I'm going to read this, John chapter 1, we're told that the eternal Word, the Word that existed in intimate love and communion with God, was God by nature, whom God used, used this Word, a person, not simply an idea in his mind, or God's voice or command, but an actual living, conscious person, used this Word to create all things, became flesh in the person of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now, let me read and bring out the significance of this. In the beginning was the Word. This is John chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Through Him all things came into existence. Without Him nothing was made, came into existence, that came into being. Now, watch verse 10. He was in the world, and though the world was made through Him, the world came into existence through His agency, the active agent of creation. The world did not recognize Him. Now, here's where it's going to get astonishing. Now, unfortunately, if you don't have access to a good commentary, don't know the language, you're going to miss it. It says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. However, the word in Greek is eskinosin, eskinosin, which is, it comes from the noun skine, and literally means the word, when he became flesh, pitched his tent, tabernacled among us. Now notice the language. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now remember what I just read in Exodus 40, verse 8. It says, when the cloud filled the tent, when the cloud filled the tabernacle, that was a sign of God's glory filling that place. The glory of Jehovah filled that place. Now, notice what John tells us. He goes, when the Word took flesh, a flesh body, became flesh, that physical body was God's tent, His tabernacle. So the literal translation of John 1.14 is that the Word pitched His tent, pitched His tabernacle when He became flesh, and that tabernacle of that tent housed the fullness of the glory of the Lord. In other words, what John is telling us is that Jesus' physical body is none other than the very physical temple, tabernacle of God, so that in that body, God's glory dwells in all its fullness. And this is confirmed in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, where it says, For in Him, in Christ, dwells all the fullness of the deity, that which makes God God, the Godhead, bodily. So the physical body of Christ is the very temple that houses the fullness of that which makes God. In other words, the message of the New Testament is, we no longer look to a physical building in Jerusalem if we want to find God or connect with God and meet God, because now God has taken His permanent residence in that physical body that Jesus took to himself when he became flesh. So now the temple of God is the physical body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So the person living in that body is God living in that physical body. 
because that's as simple as that. Are you with me so far? Absolutely, brother. And uh, I want to okay. add one th- one interesting thing, by the way, about uh, the the Greek word that you use about dwelt among us. Even the Arabic, by the way, almost sounds the same because the word seken, where he meaning in Arabic dwelt, also it's kind of interesting how the Arabic this time matches as well. See, so I just want that to, to be noticed when we when we worship Jesus Christ, the Godman. It's not the physical body I'm worshiping. I'm worshiping that divine person, that God, who now tabernacles in a body, with that body being his temple. So when the Jews faced the temple and prayed towards the temple, they were not worshiping the temple. They were worshiping the God who lives in that physical building. So when I worship Jesus the man, it's not that physical body I'm worshiping. I'm worshiping that divine person who is God, who now became man and lives in a physical body. So I want to make that clear now. But remember the other thing. When... They finished erecting the tent of meeting, the temple. God appeared visibly in a cloud and filled it. So the cloud descended upon the temple, filled it, and the cloud descended upon the tabernacle during the time of Moses, the tent of meeting, and filled that. Now here's what's interesting, brother. Do you have your Bible with you? If you do, I want you to turn to Matthew 17, verse 5. The cloud signifies God's visible presence. And of Jesus is the physical presence tabernacle, that human body that he took, which is now glorified in heaven, if that human body is now the physical temple where God lives, then it shouldn't surprise us that we're going to find another similarity between the Old Testament tent of meeting, the temple in Jerusalem, and Jesus' physical body. In Matthew 17, verse 5, which is also found in Mark 9, 7, what do we find? What takes place there, brother? Uh, I'll read it. It says... He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Ironically, or I should say, interestingly, just like the cloud descended upon the temple in Jerusalem in the time of Solomon, and just like the cloud descended and filled the tent of meeting at the time of Moses, we have the cloud descending upon the Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of three disciples. Is that a coincidence, or is that further affirmation? That according to New Testament, God is taking taking residence in a new physical structure, in a new physical temple, and that physical temple is the flesh and blood body of our Lord Jesus Christ, his physical human body, which is now glorified and immortalized. See that connection there? Yes, sir. Amazing, isn't it? Now, uh, just as a side note, oftentimes Muslims will quote the Lord Jesus Christ in Mark 3.35 saying that Jesus taught Islam because he said, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? These these are my mothers, my brothers and sisters, those who do the will of God. They say, you see, Islam means submitting to the will of God. Yet in that same Gospel of Mark, when you go to Mark 9 and you read verses 2 to 7, specifically verse 7, the voice from the cloud says, this is his will. And he says that the Lord Jesus Christ is his beloved Son. This is my beloved Son, the Son of my love. Listen to him. So the will of God is to listen, obey, trust in God's unique beloved Son. So I just want to make that point, because oftentimes Muslims will try to goldmine the Bible, proof texts from the Bible, Verses is out of context to give the misleading impression that Jesus is teaching Islam, because he says, surrender to God. 
submit to God, do the will of God. Like in Matthew 7.23, says, 721 to 23, specifically 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but those who do the will of my Father in heaven. They quote that as well, see? This is Islam. Do the will of God. Do it Do it to the best of your ability, and by the grace and mercy of Allah, you'll be granted Jannah, paradise. What they forget to tell you is that, that that same gospel of Matthew, that same gospel of Mark, the same gospel of Luke, same gospel of John, tells us what the will of God is. And the will of God is to trust Him, obey, have faith, in, and love the unique Son of God who became flesh and trust in Him for salvation. And what's ironic about verse 21, they overlook the fact, he says, doing the will of my Father. Well, according to the Quran, Allah is the Father to no one, and Jesus is in His Son. So why would they quote passages where Jesus says, the Father's will is to obey the Son and love the Son and trust in the Son, when they don't believe Jesus is the Son and they don't believe God is the Father? So that's just something I want to bring to attention to our listeners. Now, further confirmation that Jesus' physical body is the very temple of God. And by extension, we who are born of the Spirit and made one with Him in the Spirit, we too now become the temple of God. According to Paul, in 1 Corinthians 3.16 and 1 Corinthians 6.19, we are now the temple of God who dwells in us by His Spirit. Because once we're born of the Spirit, we are made one with Christ in the Spirit, and we become Christ's spiritual body. So, in one sense, we too are the temple of God, not because I am God, but now God's presence fills me because of my union with Jesus Christ, the God-man. So this is the beautiful message of the New Testament. You don't need to find God in a building somewhere, because God now resides in the physical body of Christ, and those who are united to Christ become a spiritual body, and now God's presence fills us. That was 1 Corinthians 3.16, 1 Corinthians 6.19, as well as Ephesians 2. 18 to 22, but I don't know how much time we have. We have a few more minutes? Because I want to get we have, passage in. We have, we have probably another minute or two, brother. Okay, then real quickly. John 2, 19 to 22. Jesus says, destroy this temple and I will raise it up in three days. Three days. Destroy this temple, I will raise it up in three days. The Jews said, it's taken 46 years to build this temple. You will raise it up? But the temple he was talking about was his body. So here again, Jesus says, this temple that you're looking at, my body is the temple of God. So there you go, my brother. I'm going to wind it out, and may Jesus Christ be glorified, may he be exalted, may he increase in us, may we decrease, and the blood of Christ cover us. Amen, brother. I mean, uh, again, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that you emphasize the fact that we do not worship a body called Jesus, but we worship the presence of the Lord in this body. That's why we call him God incarnate. And you know, brother, uh, you mentioned something interesting. Sadly, not a whole lot of our brothers and sisters in Christ are familiar with these things, and they end up really creating problems for themselves, and a Muslim will push back and they the brothers and sisters become uh, more doubting now, and they feel like they don't have answers. It's just a matter of being discipled in the Word, learning what the Word right. of God is saying. And the Bible, by the way, uh, for, for some reason, some of our Christian friends and uh, brothers and sisters, I should say, they think the New Testament is the only portion of the Bible that they need to worry about. No, we have the whole Word of God to explain things to us. And uh, you, you put it beautifully, explaining how the context of the Old Testament can make it much easier now to understand the context of the New Testament when it came to the dwelling of God. And, you know, Colossians stated this, you know, uh, in a variety of ways about the fact that the, the glory of God, or at least the, the, the presence of the deity, the full, uh, you know, presence of God is in, in a bodily form. Perfect sense. 
Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, you know, th- this is why we want to encourage people to listen to our podcast. It's not just about Islam. It helps all of us to grow in some of these essential doctrines that we need to be aware of. And in incarnation is one of the most important ones. I mean, this is the clear evidence. In fact, the difference between the God of Islam and our God. Our God, as I stated earlier, is a relational God. He's a God that wants to dwell among us, to model himself before us. I mean, if he expects us to be perfect, as he said, be holy, for I am the Lord, your God is holy. He sets the example for you of what that might look like. He knows that you're not going to be perfect overnight. That's why he gave us his Holy Spirit to dwell in us, to help us accomplish that goal. Brother, thank you so much, as always. We encourage people to go to your website, uh, basically. Please share that real quickly with everyone. Yes, answeringislam.net, individual authors, you'll find Sam Shamoon, answeringislamblog.wordpress.com. And our YouTube page, Shamunian, S-H-A-M-O-U-N-I-A-N. And uh, as you mentioned in your previous show, uh, we're starting to get the platform, so we're going to have to trust God to find alternate venues to continue Amen. to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you so much, brother. And until we meet again, everybody, have a blessed day. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.